I want to talk about us coming into 2021. I'm going to just kind of pick up on some of the things that Pastor has said, and uh, this being not just 2021, the number one, you've heard us say it, but 2020, W-O-N, that this is a year that God wants his people to celebrate. How many of you celebrating? This is a year that God wants us to have victory, right? This is the year that God wants us to be in success. He wants us to overcome. And so I want to pick up on that just a little bit and talk about uh, the victory that God wants to bring us into. But I'll preface, and we're going to go to the Bible here in a minute, but I'll preface to say that just because God speaks something, whether that's through a vessel or that's something that's found in the Bible because how many of you know the Bible's filled with many promises of God, okay? And it's filled with promises that we can hold on to. But just because the promise is there does, does not mean that it's automatic to receive, okay? Because the promise of salvation's in the Bible, but not everybody receives that. The promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit's in the scripture, but not everybody receives it. In fact, some people will just flat out reject it. So the fact of the matter is, just because the promise is there, okay, the, in fact, the scripture is filled. We'll read a little bit of those scriptures in a minute, but the scripture is filled with promises of victory and success and blessing for the body of Christ. Okay, God told Joshua, this book of the law, Joshua, chapter 1, this book of the law will not depart out of your mouth. You'll keep it in the midst of your heart. And he said, and it will make your way successful. So God's intention is to give his people victory. But just because it's promised doesn't mean that it's automatically appropriated by everybody. So we're going to, I believe if we're going to come into this year of victory, we're going to have to shift our thinking a little bit. We're going to have to change how we approach some things and make sure, especially coming out of 2020, this has been a year, they've called it a pandemic year. I mean, we, the body of Christ, call it many other things, but a lot of people are saying this is a year of a pandemic. I mean, I can't tell you how many, I don't know, memes, posts, whatever, how many of people are saying, can 2020 just ever end? We just want to see it over. And fact of the matter is, and you know, I mean, yeah, we like to think about a new year, but let's just think about something. Just because December 31st comes, right, and January 1st, 2021 begins, doesn't mean that everything just changes. Are you following me? with me? It doesn't mean it just shifts. The devil doesn't, Quit being the devil because we rang in the new year. Right. All right? He's still the devil's the devil, the devil, the devil. And so God is prophesying this is a year to, to, to have victory for his people. Now, God can wave something. God can bring a prophetic wave. He can bring a wave of healing. Even in the great healings revivals that I spoke to you about a few minutes ago, those people still had to appropriate those promises. Okay, they had to get up on crutches out of their house. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. And she just sat there and stayed home after she heard about Jesus. Then she might not have received her healing. She had to get up, drag herself out into the street, right? She had to inconvenience herself and appropriate the promise that was in front of her. And now, so this year, 2021, year of victory, it's not any different. We're going to have to appropriate, which means somewhere we're going to have to make sure coming out of a pandemic year, coming out of a year that for a lot of people was filled with fear, right? We saw a lot this year. And coming out of a year like that, that was surrounded by all the things, riots in the streets, the, the, the virus, the election cycle, all of this that we've seen, what the enemy would want to do with a thing like that is try to implant in our thinking the struggle over the victory. 
And I believe to come into this year of what God wants for us, we're going to have to shift out of some things. We're going to have to shift out of mindsets where the enemy might have planted in our thinking some measure of apprehension. We're going to have to appropriate, come on somebody, we are going to have to appropriate the victory and the promises of God for ourselves. Come on, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent do what? Just take it. Okay, they don't let it pass you. You can't let it pass you by. Okay, if you talk defeat all day, if you talk, oh, look at all we've been through. Come on, that's what the world does. The world talks. It's been a hard year. Well, maybe it has, but it doesn't mean you have to post it four times a week on Facebook. Okay, let's, let's not draw the attention to the hardship. Let's take a little bit of time and draw some attention to God and his blessings and his word. Come on, let's put the focus on what God's doing and going to do. And I guarantee you, if you were to count up and think through your 2020, you would find there's been, yeah, there's been some challenges. Man, there's been a whole lot of God upon it. Hallelujah. There's been a whole lot of God doing great things. I mean, it's still 2020 and people got healed in the prayer line this morning. Come on, the touch of God is still happening in 2020. Woo! Can make me dance happy. But we're going to have to shift our thinking out of mindsets of defeat. And we may have picked up on some of those things and don't even know it. And so this is the time to do that. We're going to appropriate the promises of God. And it's going to take faith for it. We're going to have to build our faith to stand in a place of victory. Because you don't need faith when everything's going perfect, right? Right? You don't have to have faith for money if your bank account is packed. You don't need, you know, faith for your family when everybody's smiling and treating one another good. Everybody's happy, right? You don't, you don't need that. You don't need it for that. You need faith when it's not going good, okay? Faith is the substance of the things we hope for. We're going to have to put faith and teeth, come on, grow a spine, get bold, get strong, not just live in a place where we just tolerate whatever comes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now go to, let's look at, uh, I want to take you to some scriptures. Let's go to 2 Corinthians Two and 14, I want to draw your attention to just a couple phrases here. This is the King James. Now, thanks be to God, which always, somebody say always. always, always causes us to triumph in Christ. Now, let me just say a couple things about that phrase. That phrase, now, thanks be to God, some other translations translate it a little bit differently. They translate it like um, the way it, the the idea on that scripture is when it says, now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. If you could picture, kind of like on Palm Sunday, there was the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And I think one translation, it might be the NIV, I can't exactly remember, but it basically says, talking about a triumphal procession. In other words, Jesus in triumph, we ride next to him in a place of complete victory. Now, let me say a couple things about that. Don't ever think that God just wants to operate independent of you. Okay? You know, we say, oh, God's in control. Well, he is in control, but he also responds to what we do. Amen. Right? Yeah, in the big picture of the earth, God is in control. We know how the story ends, don't we? We know the end of the book. That's, that, that we know from prophecy of Scripture. So God's in control, but God isn't out there. He's not a dictator. He's not out there trying to function independent of you while we just do nothing. Okay? We are, the picture of this Scripture is we are to ride alongside Christ, alongside Jesus, in a parade, if you will, of complete victory, meaning, and then, then it, uh, one... Translation kind of says it like this, on the path to victory. So how it works is we're working in partnership. Think about that. Partnership with the king of the universe. Riding alongside him. 
as he guides the path. And then the devil might try to throw up something like a minefield. And he's always on the procession to victory leading us around the obstacles of the devil. I love that. Leading us past whatever the opposition is. The doctor's report might say thus and so. But Jesus is always like, eh. I'm going to lead you around this way. We're going to go that direction. And that's what it means. God, Jesus, think about this, the king, the Lord, the king of kings. He always knows. You know, they've been saying in the election, Trump has certain pathways to victory, right? He has a pathway over here, a pathway over there. Guess what? Jesus always got a pathway to victory. Hallelujah. And if we will partner alongside him, he will always lead us into the pathway that goes to victory. What we can't do is get ourselves caught up in the bombs going off on the side. Okay? Just because there's an explosion or a report or something happens and it looks bleak. We can't get caught up in that. We have to realize, no, Jesus is still on the horse. And you're right beside him on your triumphal procession and you're going to come out on the other side in blessing and victory. Can somebody just shout amen to that? Amen. And that's what I believe we're coming into. Now, let me teach you just a couple things. Note this if you're looking in your Bible in the King James. It said he always, somebody underlined, shout out the word always. Always, always causes us to triumph. Now, I'll, I'll, let me, if I could communicate it this way. The word always sometimes in our thinking is a little bit of a struggle word because if you look at scripture, there's so many Bible verses, promises, scriptures, truths in the word of God that are in absolute verbiage like that. And so when we read words like always, for example, uh, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 15 says, this, says it like this, and Jesus healed them. How many? So did people, yeah, but say, but Pastor Brenda, was everybody truly healed under the ministry of Jesus? Okay, because you could argue the man at the gate, beautiful, who was sitting there at the gate. Jesus passed that way many times, right? So, and we also know, in, the Bible says in the book of Luke, that when he went to his own hometown in Nazareth, he could what? Do no mighty work because of the unbelief of those people. So you could argue and say, is that an absolute scripture, Pastor Brenda, because if he healed them all, right? Or did he not heal them all? Because in religion, a lot of times in Christendom, here's what happens. We read scriptures that are absolutes. Let me give you another example. Psalm 34, 17. Many of us have it memorized. What does it say? Many are the afflictions, attacks, trials of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of a few. Okay, well then what's true? A few or all? Because the Bible says all. Okay? So think about how many times the scriptures are absolute when it comes to all. He healed them all. Always causes us to triumph, as we just read in this one. Okay, another example, here's one uh, put up uh, Acts 5 and verse 16. You look at the end of that verse. It says, and there came out a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks with them, which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. How many? Every one of them. So when the Bible puts these absolutes, promises like 100%, of the outcome is all, always, everyone. Here's the thing. A lot of times we argue with that or we fight with that in our mind, okay? You know, after a pandemic year, you're going into 2021, we say, well, but, but sometimes, you know, things don't work out like we planned, okay? But the Bible declares blessing all the time or always, but then we look at circumstances and think, well, Sometimes God might deliver or sometimes he has a purpose. How many of you have heard that? He has a purpose for you to walk in that trial or whatever it is. First of all, God and the devil are not partners. Okay, God isn't using the devil as his servant boy to go attack you. The devil does that all by himself. 
Hey, the devil's the devil. He's still the God of this world. Okay, God isn't in partnership with Satan to bring upon you problems and trials. But a lot of times what we struggle with is when we hear absolutes of Scripture, we immediately reason in our mind because I hear it all the time in the Christian world. And it's amazing to me. In the natural, you know, how many of you played sports? My boys played sports. I told the first service when they played sports. John in the ring, play in the ring. He said, I don't get in the ring to play. But anyway, I'll fix that this service, John. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, but when, when the coach in the locker room, right, sends the team out to go play, they might be the underdog. They might be expected by all of the sports writers to lose. They're expected to be defeated. It's going to be, you know, 48 to 0. And guess what the coach is doing in the back? You can do it! Come on, boys, go out there. Knock them in the teeth. You can win this one. You know, what coach sits in the back in the locker room and says, well, you know, you win a few and lose a few. You're probably going to lose, but go ahead. Nobody does that. I don't know. Nobody does that. Now, I understand when our kids were little, we taught them you win a few. It's not how you, whether you win or lose. Remember the old phrase. It's how you play the game, right? So we get that, and that's all to kind of teach some manners and teach kids that, you know, if you lose the baseball game, you don't go hit your opponent with a baseball bat and it work like that, okay, <laughs> right? So, you know, I get, I get all that part, but the, the point is, and it's to teach, you know, taste and grace. But here's the deal. We don't, no coach takes their team and teaches them the expectation of loss. They don't do it, okay? If he would do that, any coach would do that, he'd be fired. He wouldn't even be coaching. They teach them to go out with the idea every single game, and I don't care if their record is 0 and 12. They still, come on, how many of you played sports? No coach sits in the back and tells you to expect to get steamrolled. They send you out there, even though you're looking at 0 and 12 as the record, and the team is, you know, it's Ohio State, Nebraska, I don't know. Kind of messed up. But here's the thing. They teach you to go out expecting to be a winner. So it boggles my mind that when we have a coach, come on somebody, in the word of God telling us you will always triumph. You'll always be a winner that will go, well, you see, you don't ever know what God's going to do. For whatever reason in Christendom, we have this idea to brace. Yeah, Father, we thank you we're healed in the name of Jesus. We believe God in the name of Jesus that we're going to walk in the blessing. We'll come to church and scream and yell, Ah, my God meets all my needs according to his riches and glory. And then Monday we'll go home and go, What are we going to do if we go broke? Or in the back of our mind, we have the expectation that we might not make it. Because for whatever reason, we've been conditioned in religion to have the idea that sometimes you're going to win and sometimes you might take a loss. Listen, God never told Israel coming out of Egypt that they should expect to win over some giants and lose to some others. The only reason they lost to some was because of them. It was not on God's account. God made them 100% winners. God made them to be successful over every battle. In fact, it was so much so, and you know, they couldn't figure it out. The Bible says that what happened to Israel was written for our example. Right? It said, so look at them, see how it worked out with them, and don't do what they did. It took them 40 years of Wasting time, circling around the same old thing. So much God kept count. One time he said, you've complained against me these 10 times. They were conditioned for defeat. 10 spies, Numbers 13, went in to look at the promised land and were conditioned for defeat. 
They were bracing for the worst case scenario. Come on, we gotta stop bracing for the worst case scenario. Come on, let's expect the best case scenario with God, all things. Mark 9, 23, there's another scripture for you. With God, all things, all things, all things, even elections, all things are possible. With God, all things, with God, all things, he can even expose the deep state. With God, all things are possible. Come on, nothing stands against God. With God, all things, somebody say all things. So Israel couldn't figure that out, right? <laughs> And they circled around. But God gave them such a celebrated victory that they won battle after battle. It was so much so that by the time they got to Jericho, Rahab, the harlot, meets them. The spies came and she said, we've been in terror waiting for you. Everybody's scared of you. Because they... The people could figure it out, but or the surrounding people could figure it out. You know why I think social media has to shut us all down? Because they're scared. Some of the seculars, some of the people on the outside of the church are more afraid of the church than the church. We're conditioned sometimes in religion. Religion's a killer. They crucified our Savior. Religion has taught us to brace for defeat. And we need to shift our thinking. The God that always, somebody say always, always causes us to triumph. God wants to give you victory, not in some healings. Huh, think about that. Not just in some healings, all healings. Don't just brace for, I might be the next on the list for the virus. Now they're saying you can get it on a round two. There's four strains. Did you know there's four strains? And I got asthma. I can't get it. Well, come on now. What is that? That's bracing. God always causes us to triumph. Cannot God deliver his people into the blessing? Cannot God? Praise the Lord. So always causes, and you know, I'll just say this. I said this in the first service. I may get in trouble, but I don't care. I just want to say it like this. We're, as we have watched, well, let me say, I'll verb it to you like this. It was amazing to me how many, when this election happened, how many Christians were, were in the just roll over and don't make any waves zone. It's incredible to me. I, 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 mean, I'm, I mean, or, well, here's another example. New Year's, or not New Year's, Christmas Eve, pastor went to take our little chica, our little puppy, to get herself groomed and went to PetSmart and he had to pick up some dog food, and he said, and it took him forever. Finally, I called him. I said, did you get lost? And he said, no, I'm telling you, the lines, the amount of people that were in one pet store, I could not believe. They were wrapped around the dog food, all the way from the front of the store to the back of the store. It's amazing to me. I mean, you go, you couldn't get in a Walmart. You couldn't fit the parking lot. You had to circle three times just to get in the store. It's amazing how the body of Christ now, the people with the victory, are like, oh, yeah, we can go to Walmart. We can buy groceries. We can go to PetSmart. But all go to church, you might get the virus. messed up right there. People say, well, have you, have you had any people in the Lord of Hosts that had the virus? Yeah, we've had a few. I mean, some people, there's a couple people, maybe they had a little more. Nobody's died. They're all being good. But you don't know for a fact they got it at church. Okay? People can get the virus at the gas station. Everybody touching all that stuff? It's possible. But oh my goodness, you go to church, you're going to get the virus. We have just rolled over. 
like dogs that have been licked in a fight. Somewhere we got to stand up and take our rightful place as the people of the kingdom of God. Come on, and not allow the devil to push us around. We need to be in the house of God. We need to be in the church. Come on, Zoom meetings can't do it all for you. We're tired of watching online all the time. I want to get in there and feel people and smell their body odor. How it's going down. Hopefully if they took a shower, it'll be their perfume or their cologne. But I want to get in there and see some people smile for real. Hey, Zoom can only have like eight people. It don't work for me. I want to see hundreds worshiping, shouting, dancing, praising, preaching. Come on, we need to gather in the house of God. I'm tired of seeing all the people at Target. Y'all look mad at anybody. You ever notice how COVID has made everybody nasty? You know. They look at you. If your mask just a little bit crooked. <laughs> Half a nostril stick out. <laughs> you can't sip a Coca-Cola without somebody having a manifestation. It's insane. People have gotten worse, man. Nasty out there. So we're going to come in the house of God where there's joy and glory and presence and Jesus. I'm not saying that. Wear a mask. It's up to you. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll just say it like this. Let me say it real quick before Facebook goes away. Here's the thing. There are loads of people that have faithfully wore the mask, okay? Never taken the thing off. Practically wore it to bed like a dirty diaper every night. And they still got the COVID. We don't know, okay? But I can tell you one thing. We also know we've been played. And I will say this, because it has been politicized, it has been utilized by the powers that be to utilize, to keep the gathering of the people, to create populist control, and I'm going to say that how that is. Fact of the matter is, it's amazing to me how they can gather and riot in streets and nobody says a word if it has to do with that agenda, but if it has to do with the kingdom agenda, all of a sudden you get closed off Facebook, you get shut down, they tell you you can't gather, but Here's what's amazing to me. I got to say one more thing about that. We have a governor in Nebraska that is encouraging churches to get together. Much unlike that, whatever that is on the West Coast. We have a governor that's encouraging people to be in the house of God, to be together. And it's shocking to me in Nebraska, in Omaha, how many churches are just sitting there with a guy on his cell phone doing a service. Come on, how are we going to have revival unless we can gather as the people of God? You're not going to create a worldwide movement of healing and souls and harvest if everybody's staying home. And I'm going to say it that way. getting dressed up, having to go out your house. When we are on vacation, of course, I'll admit, we still watch Lord of Hosts. I'm sitting home in my pajamas. I'm going, this is not the same. I hate this. I want to get my shoes, put a face on, comb my hair proper like, come in the building and be with people. Watching church in your pajamas just ain't the same. Feels like lazy living. I want to get dressed, come in the house of God, and be with the folks. And when we got a governor that's telling us you can do it, be with the people of God, and we got to be, ah, I got to stay pastors. How hard is it 
to meet with people. They Walmart packed every day. Meet with it's once a week. All right. Facebook gone yet? Anyway. Still going. Yeah, don't say Trump. We're gone. We're gone. We're gone. <laughs> Trump 2020. All right. Hey, listen. Go to James 1. <laughs> Try. I, okay, so I'm going to preface James 1. I'm going to talk to you. What, what do you do to stand in victory when it doesn't always look right? But here's what you have to understand. We have rolled over and played dead as people on many levels in 2020. Now, I'm not saying in this room. Come on, we teach victory here. We teach boldness. We teach the press, but it's amazing, amen. But it's amazing to me how many Christians just laid down everything the government tells. Okay, where's that gonna go? Don't even vet anything. Okay, and they know we're reasonable people. It just still just gets my feathers wrong when we had riots open for display and churches were forced down to a group of 10. It's disgusting, it's sickening. It's terrible. It's horrendous. It's illegal. But here is, say, well, Pastor Brenda, that's okay. Pastor Brenda, that doesn't sound nice. I think we should be agreeable. You know, the Bible says we shall know them by their love. They'll know us by how we love one another, and we're not here to be, and the Bible says submit to those of the higher power. Okay, I hear all that. All right. I, let's go honestly to the book of Acts. I understand all that. I get that. We're not supposed to be rude and obnoxious. But let's look at the example of the book of Acts. Okay? Acts the fourth chapter, after the day of Pentecost. This can be your homework if you go home and study. Acts the fourth chapter, let me just give you the quick rundown. The early apostles were, after the man is healed at the gate beautiful, that caused a little stir. And Acts the fourth chapter, if you read chapter or verse one, two, and three, right in there, it said they they threatened or straightly threatened them for preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. Now a threat is different than a simple warning. A threat is if you continue to do that. It's like you told your kids when they were growing up. If you do that again, you go to your room. Okay, well. Those kind of things. I'll go to my room. Okay. But when it escalated and you said, if you do that again, I'm going to spank your behind from here to Jupiter. <laughs> now, suddenly, that was a different deal. The Bible says they threatened with consequences the early apostles for preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. And they arrested them. Right? In bonds... They, they, they threatened them several times, and then they let them go. They didn't beat them on the first round. They let them go. What did the apostles do? Go, you know what, guys? Let's get together here. We need a new strategy. No. The Bible says they went in verse 29 to their own company, and they prayed, and here's their prayer. Watch this now. I love this. Here's their prayer. Lord, look and behold their threatenings, and grant to thy servants that with all boldness we might preach your word. And Lord, grant us more boldness. No, we don't want to back off anymore. We're not going to back down because the council told us to, because they said we're not allowed, because we, they said we shouldn't. Oh, no, they were respectful. They just kept on preaching. They kept gathering. They got together. They went right back out to the temple. Forward to Acts, the fifth chapter. We had that little issue with Ananias and Sapphira. Peter's boldness goes up a notch. They lie to the Holy Ghost. The husband drops dead. And Peter turns around boldly to the wife and said, you're going to lie too? They're going to drag your body out with your husband. All right, forward to Acts, the sixth chapter. Come on, that doesn't sound like an apostle that's backing off at all. We go to Acts, the sixth chapter. They go out and they're preaching and teaching again in the public square. After they were told they're not allowed to gather. 
name. What did they do? They gathered together in the temple and they arrest him a second time. An angel comes in the middle of the night, thank God for angels, and breaks them out of the jailhouse and turns to them, you can read it yourself in your own Bible, it turns to them and says, uh, go stand in the temple and preach. The council gets up the next morning, they said, go bring those men that we imprisoned last night. They said, I don't know how it happened, but they're out there teaching in that name again in the temple. They went right back to it. Right back to it. So they arrest them a second time, and they said, did we not tell you? They never mentioned how they got out there, but I don't know. That was left out. They said, did we not tell you not to preach or teach at all in that name? This time they beat them and let them go. They were afraid of the crowd. Just think about it. They were afraid of the crowd. That just hit me. That just hit me. Imagine if God's people really got together. Rather than roll over and just go with whatever. Anyway, that's another thing. So the minute they threatened and beat them, they beat them. Whipped them. And the Bible says they went out, watch this now, daily preaching in the temple the things of the kingdom of God. Now that's how your gospel began. Some bold people. Come on, we need some bold people. Some Christians that aren't afraid to grow a spine and do something for the things of the kingdom. Amen. All right, James, the first chapter. Was that where we were? Somebody say, Lord, grant us more boldness. That we might preach your word. And, you know, maybe the supernatural's been held back because we've needed to add boldness, that boldness and supernatural go together. James chapter 1. So what do we do if we're in a situation and, you know, we're in a trial, we're in a challenge, the devil has come to challenge our victory? We're seeing that corporately right now with the election situation, the nation, right? We're being challenged. We're being pushed upon. And, and by the way, this whole idea, we'll just accept the results, you know, because we got to be a good sport. Well, okay, I, I feel like it's like this. This is to me. I'm going to do my best to uh, communicate it the way I think it. But as a Christian, I think the most heinous thing that goes on really in our country, I and mean, there's a lot of heinous things that happen, but... The, the most heinous thing that takes place on mass scale is the murder of abortion. Okay? When you're talking no holocaust in history exceeds the level of what abortion... This nation alone, since Roe versus Wade became legal, we're, I don't know, somebody probably knows the numbers better than me, we have far exceeded 60 million murders in the womb. I mean, that's just mind-blowing numbers. 60 million. The Holocaust of the Nazis in Germany was 6 million Jews. I, I mean, my mind can't even fathom the math. So to me, that is something that no Christian, no believer, no person that understands the Scripture and the, and the, the horror of bloodshed and what that means. That's why the, the heinous murder of Jesus, our Savior, was so impactful. The Bible says God hates, hates, hates the shedding of innocent blood. Notice it's innocent. You know, so if a criminal goes and dies, if God doesn't want to see him die, that's not what that's about. But that's not innocent blood. God hates the shedding. That's what, and God is defensive of the children. Hey, think about, Jesus said, anyone that caused one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better for him to tie a rock on his neck and go jump in the ocean. Okay? Because the judgment for it is that great. So as much as abortion is a heinous thing, and, and I as a believer and you as a believer, we should not put any stamp to that. 
But to me, what's happened with this whole election and people saying things like, well, we just need to agree with the results because we're Christians and, you know, there's something wrong with, you know, Trumpism. Well, it ain't about Trumpism. It has a little bit more to do with our religious rights being taken away because we just happen to have a president that has been the most friendly toward the church, even though the church hasn't been friendly to the president, many of them. But it's amazing to me how many people say, well, just accept the results. When How many more videos do we need and how many much more proof do we need that there was thievery that happened in this election? Okay, that's not even just a church or Trump supporter people saying that. And my point is, as a Christian, when we go, well, just accept the results, I'm like, well, I do accept the results. President Trump won. That was the real result. Right? And, and I, I, I personally am not going to ever sit here and be an accomplice to lying. Okay? Come on, parents. We spanked our kids one way from Sunday for telling us a lie. Happens in the nation. We're like, oh, well, whatever. Let's go to the park. No, right? We have to, we cannot just be people that roll over and play dead when it comes to the gospel of the kingdom of God or truth and rightness or righteousness. I believe the reason abortion has had its day like it has because the church has been too quiet. Okay? We're in churches arguing over whether or not we should buy new chairs or build a 1200 saint sanctuary and babies are getting slaughtered by the second in the womb. And people don't want to say anything. Ah, we don't want to get involved. I don't want to make any waves. People unfriend me on Facebook. Well, let them. You probably didn't need them anyway. Okay, people have been staying home this Christmas. They don't want to get with their demonized relatives. They're happy about it. All right, all right. I get it. Blame Pastor Hank. He brought all that spirit up here. All right. James chapter 1. So, when we're in a battle for victory, I'm going to close with this. When we're in a fight for victory, I want you to see what James gives us wisdom on how to stand in the midst of the storm. I mean, there's lots of scriptures about it. But look what it says. Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy. Now, one translation says, it doesn't say count it all joy. It says, see this trial as an opportunity. As far as I'm concerned, I see the election, 2021, as an opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to stand and be bold and be vocal as God's people. This is an opportunity for us to use our weapons. We should see, come on, if it's a doctor's report, if it's your bank account that's low, we should see that not as an opportunity of, oh, oh what am I going to do? How are we going to get through to next week? No, we see this as an opportunity to use what God has given us, to use the word of God. Come on, to use. Here's one. Pray in the spirit if you don't know what to do. Isn't that what the Bible says? We don't know how to pray as we ought. Get over in the Holy Spirit. Right? Imagine what would happen if the church would, I don't know, January the 6th, they're doing that march out on Washington. Be awesome. Just a bunch of believers walk down the street. What are you doing? I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. I don't know. There might be some unsaved people that jump in and go, can I have that too? Count it or see it as an opportunity when you fall into diverse temptations. So number one, every trial, see it as an opportunity to pick up a weapon. Every time. Second, when you fall into diverse temptations or tests or trials, diverse is a plural word and it means there won't be just one thing that will press against you. I remember one time years ago, Pastor and I were first married, and we were broker than broke as broke, and we were just trying to figure out how to get in the ministry, and we could barely afford to pay attention. I mean, I hated the first of the month because the rent was due. I'm like, this is the 25th. 
And, and, and we fought a lot of battles at that time, and we were trying to find our way into the things of the ministry that we were supposed to do. And, and I remember we went to our pastor at that time, and he comes to us, and, he, and, and we said, Pastor, we're in all these fights and battles, and we can't take it anymore. He goes, well, I'll tell you, there will be many, many battles that you'll face in your life, but never forget this. There's only one devil. He said, shoot the arrow at the devil. And so know this, that there will be trials, and we live in a fallen world. You know, it's, and, and I mean, that sounds very simple, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, we've been in the ministry now, what, 30 years? How many Christians will come or believers will say, I can't believe I'm in this situation? Well, the fact is, is you will fight tests. That's just a fact of it. Don't be shocked by it. That's why he had to write the scripture. So know this, number one, see every trial as an opportunity, every battle. Know that there will be multiple ones. Don't be shocked by it. Number three, knowing this or have the internal knowing that the testing of your faith. Notice this has come to test your ability, your resolve. It's really come to test your belief in will we trust what God said, right? And I'm going to tell you this. Let me just add a little side note. Not just trust what's written in the scripture. We have a hard enough time with that sometimes. I mean, it's like the devil could go, boom. And we're like, oh, I don't believe in healing anymore. No. <laughs> we got a hold. But also believe the prophetic words coming out of the mouths of the prophets. We must do that. Don't tell me when it came to this nation, this election, this president, that every prophet, intercessor, pastor, preacher, teacher, all missed it. Now, I won't buy that. I'm sorry. I ain't going to buy that. No, we believe the prophets and so we shall prosper. And the prophets and the preachers that we know, they're not out to mislead or draw anybody off course. They're out to help people. They're out to encourage people's faith and give them hope in a future. Amen. So knowing that the testing of your faith, the enemy comes to try to steal the faith out of your heart. It works Patience or cheerful endurance. But let patience have her perfect work that you might be complete. Now check this out. I, this, I, I, just chew on this scripture for a minute. Let endurance. Endurance means some trials don't go away in five minutes. Now we'd like them to. I would have liked the election to be over on November the 3rd. And it really was. You know, until they stopped the machines and quick. Anyway, that's separate. But we would all wanted this to be done November the 3rd. Nobody wants to still be praying about this. Right? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that's where that's at. But some things take time. Some healings take a working of your faith. Some financial situ situations, some issues with relationships. Hey, come on, some things you're just going to have to go for the marathon, brother. Amen. Just a matter. Let patience watch, though, have her complete work that you may be perfect, put the scripture back, and entire or complete lacking in nothing. nothing. There's another absolute for you. Nothing of nothing of nothing of nothing. You won't lack anything. You won't lack anything. If you know how to run the marathon to victory, you know how to push it forward no matter what's opposing you, you know how to press into it, you don't give up easily, you don't let the devil come steal the seed of the word out of your heart, you don't let the devil take the promises of God away from you when it comes to your body, when it comes to your children, when it comes to your family. Come on, devil, you're not going to have my kids, you're not going to have my life, you're not going to have my business. I'm not giving up. I'm going to get up tomorrow and be your worst terror. Come to the piano so I can be done. I'm going to finish with this. That you will lack nothing. For if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now that could be you ask God for the wisdom or you ask God for what you need. Let him ask of God who gives to all men. There's another all for you. Circle that. Not some, 
Religion's taught us another waste of time thing. Well, God might do that for them, but that doesn't mean he'll do it for you. It's amazing how we'll tell people, make sure you're in the will of God, but then on the other side of our mouth, but you may not know what it is. All right. Who gives to all men or women liberally or is always willing. God's a giver. He's always willing. And abradeth or does it without rebuke and it shall be given him. Now, stand to your feet while I read verse 6. But, everybody say but. There are conditions on things. Let him ask in faith. In other words, you have to come to God convinced. Nothing wavering. That means you're not back and forth, up all strong on Sunday, and then by Monday you're down in the dump again. Nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea. I don't know. Maybe that's why we've faced some of these things with the election, because we have the church being, ah, well, Trump's called to God. No, he's not. He's terrible. I don't know. Back and forth never gets anybody anywhere on anything, just so we know that. Nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that person or that man or that woman think, don't even get it in your mind, that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Maybe some of the reason that we're not stepping into all the victory that God has for us is we're back and forth on everything. This is 2020 WON. We're going to have to seize the moment. We're going to have to seize the victory and not be in it one minute and out of it the next, up one day and down the other. Yeah, we've had some hits. Yeah, we've had some troubles. So did the people of the Bible. This isn't anything new. Sometimes you got to take some bruises. I asked Jonathan, our son, I said, how do you get up and stand there after the guy just hits you across the chops and rung your bell? So he showed me a video. He goes, yeah, see that one where I'm holding my face? <laughs> I said, and you get back and go. You know, they can figure that out in an MMA ring. But we can't figure it out in the church. Wavering gets us nowhere. We're going to have to pull our bootstraps up in 2021 and decide we're going for the win. We're going for the win. A double-minded man is unstable. Here's another all-inclusive for you. In all his ways. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you, Lord, that you have promised victory. You always cause us to triumph. Just like the children of Israel, we're coming into victory. We're coming into the places of success and blessing. So, Father, we choose this day to take it by force. And we won't let defeat be in our mouth. In fact, we erase any idea, any thought, any words we've spoken that are about defeatedness. We, we remove that from our vocabulary. And we thank you, Lord, that we are winners because that's what you have promised for us. Now, Father, I'm asking you to bless these people. Place a fresh anointing upon them. Cause them, my Father, to come into all that you have desired for them. Anything that's been in their mind that's caused them to get down or defeated on any level, we just root that out now in the authority of Jesus' name. And we just thank you for it. We worship you and we tell you, Master, that we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you were blessed today. On your way out, give somebody a high five. Tell them, be here Thursday night, New Year's Eve. We're going to have an awesome time in God. And we'll see you then, 7 o'clock Central Time, for those of you that are watching online. God bless you. Bye-bye.